The mission is simple, to help high achievers naturally eliminate emotional and physical obstacles so they can optimize their life for higher achievement. Welcome, you have just entered the Genesis Zone. Good day and welcome to the Genesis Zone show. This is Dr. Brian Brown. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on this beautiful Thursday. I don't know what the weather's like in your area, but we woke up to uh, 49 degrees this morning. Fall is here, although it is the south and I have a feeling it's going to get hot again before it gets cold. But anyway, um, as a holistically focused alternative medicine professional, I've counseled people for years about their diet. And whether you're a kid or an adult, broccoli as a food probably evokes more emotional responses than just about any food I've ever encountered. You either love it or you hate it. There's rarely an in-between. And as you'll discover in today's episode, there's a reason for that. And that reason may also have linkages to depression and Alzheimer's. So stay tuned as we bite into today's details. Um, before we jump into today's topic, I'd like to share something interesting that I discovered while doing research for today's show. Um, there has been some interesting research conducted at the University of Michigan lately. Uh, scientists there found that older Americans who frequent, quote unquote, intellectually stimulating settings like museums, higher education libraries, and lecture events showed a significant slowing of cognitive aging. In fact, researchers discovered that these people had cognitive function that was five years younger than their non-stimulated counterparts. So what does this mean for us? Well, obviously, as we age, we should keep our brains intellectually stimulated as much as possible. Now, the need for brain stimulation as we age is not new information, but the effect of the stimulation has previously not been measured with these particular community-based stimuli. So I think the take-home is this. Aging adults who live in areas with access to the arts and higher education will probably have brains that age better if they take advantage of the resources in their community. Now, let's get into today's topic. Researchers at Australia's Science Research Agency just published their findings in the Journal of Agricultural and Food Chemistry. They, they validate that num the, the numerous reasons you should eat your broccoli. It's high in vitamins, it's high in antioxidants, and it's high in metabolites like sulforaphane that have anti-mutation, or the technical term is anti-mutagenic effects on cells. This simply means that they prevent the DNA, your genes, from changing in the cells that lead to cancer. Now, these benefits have been well-established for years. We've known this, especially about sulforaphane as a, as a botanical constituent. We've known this for years, 
but with broccoli being a frequently vilified vegetable at the dinner table, these scientists wanted to know why it was so repulsive to some groups of people. Because quite frankly, the stakes were so high regarding the lost health benefits for those who weren't eating it. They, they found that it wasn't just broccoli that was the offender. It was the entire genus of vegetables that broccoli resides within. And that, that genus, that technical genus is called the Bracus, B-R-A-C-C-U-S, Bracus genus. Now, aside from broccoli, this Bracus genus includes some of uh, uh, quite familiar vegetables like bok choy, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower, collard greens, kale, napa cabbage, cabbage, and, and turnips, just to name a few. Now, researchers discovered that those with an aversion to these Bracus genus vegetables, like broccoli, rapidly break down their vegetables into volatile sulfur gas components. Now, if you don't know what sulfur smells like, uh, it smells like a rotten egg, okay? <laughs> so I don't know any better way to put it. But anyway, uh, they found that these people that have this aversion break down these vegetables into volatile sulfur gas components via these pathways inside the mouth. You know, it doesn't even have an, it, it does happen in the intestinal tract down in the stomach, but it starts in the mouth and the, the healthy bacteria in your mouth are imbalanced and that, and they overproduce an enzyme called SMCSO. Now, this high bacterial enzymatic activity causes these high levels of sulfur gas and is off-putting to the senses and to the brain uh, to the point that avoidance is the only answer. Now, they also found that these issues were common among the children of adults with the same issues. Surprise, surprise. And that children in general were more prone to robust microbiome enzyme activity in the mouth that convert these foods to volatile sulfur gases. So if little Junior or little Sally gags at the, at the, at the food even coming near their mouth, it's probably because their, their senses, their olfactory senses are picking up on that sulfur gas and, and enzymes are already activated because that's what happens when we think about eating and they have this visceral response to this sulfur, this volatile sulfur gas. So when your kids don't eat their broccoli, cauliflower, and Brussels sprout, there's a good scientific reason for it. Now, scientists admit that this research is in its very early stages and they don't have an answer for how to solve it yet. They, they have talked about hybridization of the Bracus genus vegetables to see if they can pull some of the that uh, that stimulating sulfur gas out of it. But when they do that, um, as you can tell from the name sulforaphane, which comes from this whole genus of vegetables, um, when you pull that out, you lose the health benefits. So the, they scrapped that and they said, well, that's off the table. We're going to have to find a different way. But they didn't really offer a solution. Now, my personal opinion, and, and you didn't ask for it, but I'm going to give it anyway. My personal opinion is that if we can modify the intestinal microbiome for the positive by taking a probiotic, why can't we positively impact 
the oral microbiome, this imbalance that's in the mouth that's causing this issue to make these veg veggies more tolerable. Um, because if it's an imbalance of the oral uh, bacteria, the oral microbiome, I think we can probably uh, relatively easily fix that, even if it's with an oral spray that you take just before you eat these foods. I'm just thinking off the cuff. I don't know. Uh, take, it will take a little bit more research. And again, the jury's still out, but I think we will see more work done in this area because the, the anti-cancer benefits of sulforaphane alone are off the charts. And I think it's worth pursuing. So just to recap, broccoli intolerance or, or that entire family of vegetables is related to an imbalance in the oral bacteria, the oral microbiome. Um, technical term for that, dysbiosis. Uh, the next natural question is this. Well, Dr. Brian, how is my dislike for broccoli and cauliflower linked to depression and Alzheimer's as the title of today's uh, uh, show says? Well, let's find out how. Uh, first, let's talk about the association of the gut microbiome with mental health disorders. In a recent journal of the American Medical Association Psychiatry uh, uh, version published a meta-analysis. Now, a meta-analysis just simply means that they looked at a lot of studies, 59 case-controlled studies to be exact. Researchers uh, that published this, these findings in JAMA Psychiatry uh, found that gut microbiome imbalances were highly correlated to all manner of mental health disorders like depression, anxiety, panic disorder, mood swings, bipolar, schizophrenia, the whole nine yards. Now, they found that study participants had a shortage of anti-inflammatory gut bacteria and an overabundance of pro-inflammatory gut bacteria. Now, as previously established in other studies, we know that these gut bacteria epigenetically modify the function of the brain's neurons, as well as neurotransmitter production and neurotransmitter reception. And in other studies, we know that the seat of immunity, and remember when you hear the word immunity, this word is synonymous with inflammation. Uh, the seat of immunity or inflammation starts in the gut and is regulated in large part by a balanced gut microbiome. So now let's switch gears to Alzheimer's. In regard to the latest Alzheimer's research, scientists have discovered that the gut microbiome or imbalances in the gut microbiome, remember the technical term is gut dysbiosis, these contribute to amyloid plaque formation in the brains of Alzheimer's patients. Now, if you don't know what amyloid plaque formations are, don't, don't worry about it. I'm going to give you a nutshell version. Amyloid plaques are one of the main physical characteristic changes that occur in the brain of Alzheimer's patients that leads to tangles of the nerves, okay? Think of it as kind of a cement-type structure that tangles the nerves up and they can't communicate, an electrical signal can't get through, and subsequently, the negative effects of Alzheimer's take effect, okay? In all three incidences, whether it be dislike for broccoli, high propensity for depression or other mental health disorders, or Alzheimer's, gut dysbiosis is the culprit. 
And yes, your gut begins in your mouth. I know you're thinking, wait a minute, you were talking about broccoli and this being in the mouth and uh, the whole issue about the gut, the, the, the microbiome imbalance being in the mouth. Yep. Your, your gut begins at the beginning in your mouth and goes all the way to the end. I don't know any better way to put it. On the other hand, oral gut dysbiosis can have a drastic impact on the gut brain axis. In one case, it, uh, it, it can prevent us from consuming anti-cancerogenic foods such as broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, and greens. On the other hand, um, intestinal gut dysbiosis can lead to mental health symptoms as well as Alzheimer's. So gut dysbiosis is not a laughing matter and it's something that we need to take care of from beginning to end of our gut. All of the researchers admit that we have a long way to go regarding interventions, but these findings give us huge insight into previously unknown mechanisms for dealing with these challenges. Now, for years when I've had clients who struggle with mental health symptoms or memory issues, I found that there are four critical things we can do to help lessen these symptoms. Number one is get genetic methylation pathways fixed. Number two is get genetic mitochondrial pathways fixed. Number three is get genetic detoxification pathways fixed. And number four is get genetic inflammatory pathways fixed. When we can get a handle on these, these different genetic pathways and we can get them under control. The foundation is laid for making rapid and deep progress in these areas. Now, if you're curious about getting these four genetic areas in balance, uh, join me September 27th for the next Gene Hack Bootcamp. Uh, it's the perfect place to find out more information about what gene hacking is and the proprietary process I've developed for taking a mountain, a mountain of information and breaking it into easy to digest pieces for more rapid results in, in days or weeks versus months or years. You, you'll learn how to prioritize where you need to focus all of your energy, and you'll learn exactly which genes you need to focus on in order to feel better. I call it toppling the one domino. Uh, I teach you how to identify that one domino, the starting point, and I teach you what needs to happen in order to topple that one domino in the Gene Hack Bootcamp. Uh, go to drbrongbrown.com forward slash Gene Hack forward slash bootcamp and enroll in this upcoming bootcamp on September 27th. Uh, only a few days left in the registration, so be sure and get in there now. Uh, tune in next Thursday at noon Eastern Standard Time for our next In the Zone segment. Um, where I'll be sharing my, my latest insights uh, about research that, that I found that pertains to you optimizing your physical, emotional, and wellness journey. Most informed, most trusted, and most grateful that you spent your time with us here today. Uh, stay in the zone. This is Dr. Brian Brown.